Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we will continue our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with Phil Acosta, the Executive Director at Adelaide Bridge, as we zero in on the homeless epidemic here in Hawaii. We plan to understand the homeless situation, learn about what's working, and how we can solve some of these homeless hurdles. Some may be wondering how this is related to sustainability. Well, for those of you who don't know, one of Hawaii's sustainable sectors is housing, affordable housing at that. The homeless struggles we face as a state is something we must address for Hawaii's future and its people. So, aloha, Phil. Thank you for taking the time to come and talk story with us. Thanks, Christina. And Glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for finally, I'm glad we've been able to get this together <laughs> after all these months. Um, but before we begin, let me share a little bit on Phil. He is the executive director, as I mentioned, at Alea Bridge, a nonprofit focused on the homeless in Central Oahu and North Shore. He also spearheaded the formation of the Wahiwa Homeless Alliance and acts as their co-chair and facilitator today. Um, Phil and his family work tirelessly day in and day out to provide amazing services for those without a home. Their big hearts touch the lives of those who lose hope. And with that love, Phil and his team are able to save people at their bottoms and bring them back to a place that they can call home. And I did just uh, put that plug in there for you because mm-hmm. I, I see you guys and the work that you do, and it's amazing. So, um, Thanks, Christina. You make, it sound, you make me sound so good. I know. Okay, I know. I'm ready tone. to wipe my tears now. <laughs> okay. All right, Phil, let's begin. Um, let's start with the beginning. Um, maybe your family, because this is a family initiative. Sure. So, yeah. Go ahead. So you know, essentially, the uh, you know, it started with my brother, who was a former police officer with HPD, and in his work, he just saw just the things that the the homeless uh, uh, population was going through, the things that the residents were challenged with, as far as you know, runaway youth, uh, domestic violence, uh, the homeless, and so he built a relationship with them in his capacity as a police officer. But he found that he needed, to, he wanted to do more. And so, you know, um, uh, one one day, I'll, I'll tell the Christmas cookie story. Um, you know, he was passing out uh, cookies to uh, low-income uh, housing and to the encampments with his children. And then one of his kids from the back seat, uh, you know, mentioned to him, you know, ask him, Dad, what are they going to eat tomorrow? That was just a snack. And so, you know, at, at that point, you know, he really contemplated on what, what all that meant. And, you know, he's, for, for him, he, he essentially answered his calling. And so uh, he, he retired from the force. He, he called up my sister. Uh, she called on her, uh, her husband, and then they called on to me and put a family meeting together. And from there, we hosted our first community gathering. Uh, we had uh, some volunteers, some family and friends, and some homeless clients that came and, you know, just kind of talk story with us. We give them some food and donations. And then from that, it built into... Um, you know, more community events, uh, and then we started talking at the neighborhood board, and it just kind of evolved into its own nonprofit from there. And so, uh, and when when did that start? That when was you're... back in January 2016. So we just actually just celebrated our third year um, anniversary, I guess, just for awesome. year, year this month. So, and you guys are doing good with collecting funds and yeah. I mean, we we've definitely been blessed. I think we came at the right time. Uh, we uh, definitely. Uh, 
met the need for a region that was, you know, they were really starving for uh, some solutions for somebody to step up and uh, address this growing issue that's been there for decades. And so um, uh, we got really good support from the community, from the residents, from our elected leaders. And, you know, that really helped our, our cause in securing funding, securing support. So, yeah, we, we're really blessed. Awesome. So what, um, so basically that got you into the homeless side, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. what was it that, I guess, for the North Shore, Wahiwa mm -hmm. side, what, what gravitated you guys to there? Is that where you're from or? Well, uh, my wife was born there. I'm not born, but she grew up in uh, Whitmore Village. She went to school there. Uh, my mom taught at uh, Milani Middle and uh, Little High School for many, many years. So, and our family grew up in the Waipio Central Oahu areas. And so we, we do have ties to the area, not specifically in Wahiwa. But, you know, we chose that as our starting point because there was really nobody doing anything in that side. And so it was kind of close enough to home for us where, you know, we could really take that and, you know, adopt it, that, um, that community and start to do things to change the situation. Okay. And um, I think more of the people that are probably listening in mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're, they know Kaka'ako, they know town, yeah. they know the homeless uh, epidemic that's going on over there because it's in front of them every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. um, so would you say it's similar, different? How does it compare? Yeah, there's some similarities, uh, definitely. Um, and there's, there's some stark differences as well. Um, you know, substance use, mental illness, I think that is a common um, issue that's across the board. Um, truly affordable housing, which I, you know, we want to, I want to talk a little bit more later today. That's a common, uh, common issue across the board, but, you know, geographically there are uh, things that the population is a bit different. You do get a lot more transient folks, uh, people coming in from the mainland, um, Alamoana, Waikiki, Kakako, you get, you get a lot of that. Whereas in rural areas like Waimanango, uh, Loa, North Shore, uh, Wahiwa, even uh, you know portions of Nigor Oahu, you do get a lot of your uh, what, you, what we would refer to as local local homeless, and they've been homeless generationally for decades, and they've been there. It's is not it a, really it's not like a, homeless, or is it just the way they decide to <clears throat> choose to live? I think both. Yeah, both. For some of them, um, for many of them, I would say they do have some. They do have ties to the community. They went to school there. They went to uh, they, you know they have family there, friends. Uh, but for some reason, over the years, you know, those relationships broke down. Again, maybe uh, a result of uh, domestic violence, drugs, substance, uh, you know, substance use or mental illness, uh, those kinds of things that those relationships have deteriorated. And so the support system has deteriorated. And so they ended up on the streets. Um, Do you see uh, families that are coming from foreign countries? Um, as foreign, part of foreign countries, not so much. Or like we, the we do see quite a bit. That, um, yes, the, absolutely. Yeah, um, those... yeah, can't forget that. Um, I think more so in Alamana, Kaka'ako, mm -hmm. uh, we do have quite a bit of Micronesian families. We have a few. Um, I feel I like think... in when we were helping with Kids Rock mm -hmm. and Inspire Church, because yes. we kind of cover Waipahu area, mm -hmm. we see that a little more prevalent in, I would say, what is it, Blaisdell Park? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, but a lot of them are communities, and then mm -hmm. they, I don't know if they necessarily have the same type of mm -hmm. situations that are with, living. With some of the uh, the Micronesian families, uh, they do um, face a different um, challenge, I think. For most of them, they're 
I guess they would be technically homeless because they have a lot of uh, households, multiple households in one, like say four families that are bunking together mm-hmm. in in a what's meant to be a single family home. And so once that that uh, person that's on that lease mm-hmm. uh, gets evicted because they're they're violating the term of that, um, everybody else becomes homeless. Yeah. And so um, it's a, it's a different situation for them, and definitely it, it gets um, it goes to the point of um, affordability yes. because they can't they can't afford their own place. Uh, they have to do. And that. not that they don't want to, right. and they're not trying. Absolutely, exactly. absolutely. What I mean, I'm curious to know: Do you have some percentages? Do you have some percentages of who? Who the homeless are? Yeah, that would be um, awesome. You know, know. I, I think uh, you know for I can speak for the region that we service. Okay. Um, definitely. Um, so for the uh, what well, I'll refer to it as Region Five, which actually encompasses Mililani, North Shore, um, Mililani, Wahiwa, and the North Shore. That's considered Central Oahu. That's Central yeah, yeah okay. Central North uh, Central Oahu North Shore. So that's uh, referred to as Region Five. Um, when we first got started. Um, uh, the year uh, there were um, we surveyed 385 through the point in time count, and so that doesn't that doesn't include how many everybody. people came through your doors. Uh, that's that how many mean? people we actually Survey. engaged okay. and uh, conducted the survey with. That was back in 2017, and just this past one, um, roughly at about 250 and 260. The official count hasn't come in yet. They're still uh, validating that with reports from other regions, but we're at about uh, 250 and 260. So um, over time, that's been a reduction of over 30 percent. Okay, um, yeah. and this and, is only a couple years then. Yeah, a couple years into that. And this and is in your region. Within our region, and how so, does it compare to town? Because I think. When it's in your face, right, and yeah. you're seeing it all the time, and then yes. they move, and then you're, you, you, it just seems so overwhelming mm-hmm. because it seems like a lot of mm-hmm. tents yeah. and all clustered into one. So you're kind of wondering, or some people feel like, oh, it's so much more. It yeah. just keeps growing. But I don't know if what if that's reality. So for um, for Leeward Coast, it's I would say it's about um, double that. For town, Metro Honolulu, it's about triple that. And so in in you know, grand scope of things, it's not the most dense population of uh, chronically homeless. But if you look at the trend in the last five to seven years, it's been increasing. So it's increasing. <clears throat> Alarming, yes, yeah, absolutely. Increasing. And especially you'll, you'll see that in these rural areas. In in Leeward, Oahu, in um, town, it tends to fluctuate. They do move between regions. Uh, but in, in these uh, rural areas, it's been increased uh increasing year after year because it hasn't been addressed. And so that's one of the things why we wanted to focus in this area because nope, nothing was being done there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would have kept, it was just kept increasing. Yeah. So out of the um, uh, 251, actually, is what, what we um, uh, uh, surveyed at that time, about two-thirds of those are male. Uh, about uh, 75% of those are adults, some seniors, and some minors. So the large majority of what we see out there are senior um, adult um, individuals or couples. We do have some families. We do have some families with children. We also have some seniors and veterans. But they're a much lower um, percentage. percentage than in other areas on island or statewide. Okay. And with the – I don't know, what is – what is protocol when you have kids in these situations? Um, is it acceptable? Like, does the state come in? How does that work? You know, the, the um, funny thing, um, 
I actually used to work for um, Department of Human Services. Or like um, CPS? Specific, yeah, right? I, I was tied to uh, Child Welfare Services when I was doing um, some IT project management work uh, with the state. And, you know, I, I did ask about that. You know, what if a homeless family has children? Is that, is that you know, grounds for the, the state to take, uh, you know, um, to kind of step in? Um, but they said, no, as long as there's uh, there isn't... Um, signs of abuse and neglect, it doesn't necessarily become a child welfare case. And so if, really? the, kid, yeah, if the kids are well-fed, the kids, the kids are clothed, they take care of their hygiene, they go to school, mm-hmm. uh, they're supervised by adults. Um, yeah, homelessness is not necessarily uh, an instance where child welfare will come. Interesting. And, um, but are everybody in that situation closed, going to school, um, fed well, hygiene? I mean, is that really realistic? <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't speak with the other regions, but, you know, what what, I, what we have seen in our region is um, either parents or couples that have children and that are living with other family members. Mm-hmm. So they, they do have enough, um, you know, yeah, support where they can do that. Uh, unfortunately, they, they, they don't have enough um, uh, to they still need to feed whatever habits or whatever things that's keeping them uh, out in the streets but they they, uh, they do reach out to their support system where the kids are not necessarily out in in the encampments so we, that that is an exception we do see sometimes uh, families that are living in cars mm-hmm. um, and we we've, we've um, you know engaged them and got them connected to housing so that you know that that's always a, a very rewarding experience for us um, but no, we, we don't see too many uh, that are out there. Okay. And then what are the percentages, I would say, of su- substance abuse versus, I know mil- mental illness is a difficult one. Um, and I understand people often are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, something breaks down, a car breaks down, and then all of a sudden they're out of their home or the situation that you mentioned earlier. So, you know, those are kind of, um, people that could get themselves back on track, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I'm just curious for the substance abuse because I feel like as that continues to grow, um, I don't think we're ever going to really tackle this this real mm-hmm. epidemic. But what are the numbers? Sure. Um, interestingly enough, when we conducted this last point in time count in January... And this is for, just for you. Uh, this is just for our region. Um, the... Uh, the number of people that reported um, substance use and mental health issues was less than half. So and that's so, categorized together. Um, no, it's it's, it, it's different. And so, so the, the way that yes, the way that is asked is you know do you have substance use issue that affects your daily life, and do you have mental health issues that affects your day, daily life? And so for most of them, um, they 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 answered no. Um, but in our the way we've engaged and what we've um, uh, you know what we've seen out there in the uh, in the community, ninety percent plus have substance use or mental illness or both. So they and, don't identify um, themselves with that yes. for their own various yes. reasons. Yes, absolutely. So that yeah, you, you, you're right on there. So so it's the for way them, you it's fifty percent. It's probably closer to ninety percent. It, 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 Definitely is over ninety percent. Over ninety percent, and you know, uh, about a third of them um, have been out of work for longer than a year. About seventy-five percent of them are chronically homeless, which means they've been out and 
uh, out at homeless for more than a year and they have some diagnosable disability. And so that does make it a little tough to house this population, having such a huge percentage of chronically homeless. And um, yes, the, definitely the substance use and the mental health is a, is a huge, huge factor that uh, we need to put more uh, focus on. And so, you know, with that, they can't sustain housing. Um, you know, even if we do connect them to services and housing. Well, they might not get in, right? Exactly, exactly. So, and then when you, I know that you said a lot of them are males. Mm-hmm. What age demographic would you say they probably are? Um, so age range, we have um, mostly um, mid-30s to early 50s. Okay. Um, demographics, you know, there is quite a bit of uh, that report mixed race, but the top three uh, races that they self-identify with are Caucasian, in this order, Caucasian, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, and Filipinos. Okay. Well, I know that we're covering a lot of stats and everything, but I guess it's good to just get a well-rounded idea of, you know, who who we're working mm-hmm. with and, you know, how we can help. I mm-hmm. think that's more than anything. And um, I know that there's, you know, a lot going on that you guys are doing. So I guess that's my next thing is I really wanted to dive into um, talking about what Alea Bridge provides and what you guys do. Mm -hmm. Sure. So when we first uh, came on scene, we didn't really know what what we were doing. We didn't have any money. Um, I don't come from a social work background, neither does my brother. So it was for the first 15 months, it was me and him going out there, pounding the streets, you know, knocking on doors and just finding out, you know, what is this? What are we going to do? Got a lot of no's. Yeah. And so for the, the first 15 months, just me and him a lot, you know, just uh, out of pocket, uh, 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 purely volunteer basis, you know, unfunded. Uh, and then we slowly started to gain some traction about, um, you know, early on in 2017. Got to prove yourselves, got to see what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I, I wish that I had to prove myself less. You know, I know, it's, it's, I know. it's a less painful journey that way. But, you know, um, uh, we did start start out with providing outreach and then we're looking to expand that now into other regions besides just uh, Central Walkway awesome. and North Shore. We're also looking to um, uh, do a little bit more focus on youth outreach. That is a trend, a disturbing trend that we did, we have seen, now, not I, just in our areas, yeah. but it's you know, throughout the state where there is an increasing presence of youth out on the street. And what's perplexing is for some of them, they may not all be homeless. They're, they may be runaways. They may be just hanging out. And so that's that's, the, that's one of the challenging things is how do you engage that demographic? And so it's, it's a little bit of a, a different approach, different resources that we have to find. But that is one thing that we're looking into now is uh, youth outreach. Okay. Um, and then uh, we we've started up a couple of uh, um, housing programs as well, uh, rapid rehousing, uh, homeless prevention, and we're getting ready to launch a tenant-based rental assistance, which is sort of like a mini Section 8 program in it in and of itself. So, looking at about summertime when we're going to launch that, um, we're hoping to be able to, um, you know, house about 30 uh, 30 families, 34 exactly, is what we we had put on our, our application. Um, over two years. So that's what, that's what we're looking to uh, provide services for. And actually in the last, um, in the this past year, um, we specifically engaged, um, let me get some numbers here for you. Um, we engaged with 576 participants in 2018. Uh, that equates to 423 households 
out of those 423 households, 300 um, reconnected to some supportive services and 62 in directly into housing. And so out of those that went into housing, um, last year we provided almost 67,000 in rental assistance to uh, those households. And just in January alone, we're, we, we almost hit, we came a little bit shy of 22,000, so our, our goal for 2019, it sounds odd, you know, the, but we want to hit over 300,000 300, yeah, in, in wow. rent assistance. So, you know, that's that's money that goes directly into the communities. That's money that goes directly, you know, into um, into the families that we're trying to um, assist. And, you know, that has a direct impact to the community where we're literally taking these people off the streets and um, getting them stabilized in a home. And so next step after that is, you know, what other resources can we wrap around you so you can sustain, sustain it? Right, because I don't want to keep feeding $300,000 in a pot yeah. year after year to house people. Yeah, exactly. If they're going to come back. And the same people, right? Absolutely. It's like you want Absolutely. to change it over to Absolutely. the next group that yeah. needs to help. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the, our tagline is to break the cycle. Break the and, cycle. And reverse the trend. So uh, definitely want to work towards that. Um, so this year, uh, we're in the middle of our, the phase one of our resource and navigation center, um, kind of going into the whole sustainability thing. You know, first we looked at, um, this is going to be a, a hub of services in the middle of Wahima town, uh, where we can provide um, services. We can, uh, we have a kitchen and pantry. We'll have a high, mini hygiene center, uh, mailbox services for, for the clients out there. That's and, huge. Uh, and our, and our uh, partner agencies to come and provide their services on site as well. So, so that's another thing. You yeah. partner with a lot of different organizations Absolutely. and businesses yeah, as well. We're so small and, you know, we, we, we there's so much that we can learn. We, we, you can't we, do it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and we're hoping we can find those uh, partners out there that are, you know, aligned to our mission. There's a, there's a, I don't know if it's new, but is it boys to men? Have you been working with them? I have not. So as you, I know, I think it's boys to men. Have you heard of them before? Um, So it's actually pretty interesting. I think that's their name. I will connect you with them. But especially since you said that a lot of the, um, the homeless here, they're males between Mm. a certain age, right? Mm. So it's really hitting that younger you know, male before they get into mm-hmm. this position. So that that's their focus okay. and that's who they want to reach. And okay. it's like a nonprofit too. So okay. I'm going to connect you with them because maybe you guys can do some stuff together. Yeah, you can either connect me with that group or the other boys to men. I'm good with either one. Yeah, I'm good. Right? I'm a big okay. fan. So. Maybe we could get all of you guys together. That'd that would be, awesome. be pretty awesome. That'd Don't they awesome. come here like sometime they once just, a year? We just missed them. <laughs> next year, next year. Um, the yeah. other thing, so continue, continue. Yeah, yeah. so in, in that phase, one of the resource and navigation center when we looked at the design we looked at you know this is the, the the cost obviously but then also the sustainability of it so we looked at all kinds of things including modular containers um you know the, we hope to you know kind of dive into this um into this world and how can you know, just kind of model that on a smaller scale and if it works you know uh scale that up into bigger projects and so uh, but we moved away from the modular containers for now because um, uh, at that time the uh, the uh, permitting and the, uh, the cost uh, became prohibitive for us so what we actually looked at um, so what's there now at our lot are 
old portable con uh, classrooms. Which um, I remember you talking yeah, about yeah. that. So, so you, you know, acquired them. Yeah. So um, you know, th there were these portable classrooms on the Honolulu Community College campus that they were going to demolish, and then you know we got we got connected somehow, and then you know took my brother, so another brother brought him. He's a contractor. He looked at it poked around a little bit and said, this is good. This is a good building. It's got good bones. It looks ugly as heck. You know, it's all torn up. But, you know, if you look at the structure of it, it's solid. And so, you know, we cut that up, uh, you know, trucked it over to uh, Waiwa, and now it's sitting on our lot. And so we're going through the permitting process now to for that to be, you know, repurposed as the resource and navigation center. So that saved us a lot of money, uh, less stuff that goes into the landfill. And, yes. you know, with the, with the monies that we saved, that goes back and, you know, uh, re reinvest that into the program. And uh, this year we submitted um, two requests, one through the state and one through the city to create bridge and permanent supportive housing. Uh, so we should know in about a month. Uh, whether we got funded funded for that or not, but our idea there is to take, uh, you know, there's a lot of old properties that are being underutilized. We would like to take a rehab project, turn that into um, uh, this housing solution, immediate solution for the, the homeless. Because right now, yes, we have the services there, but we have no form of shelter or housing or anything like that. So uh, usually we'll have to rely on our partners out in YNI, out in uh, Kaka'ako, Ivole. And for most folks, it's like, nah, I don't like, that's too far. It's because their support system, they're so used to uh, living out in a country. There's, mm -hmm. there's a reason, there's a big reason. They do why, have uh, like the nicest beaches. And if that's bad, not bad. Not bad. Ocean frontage, I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> it's hard you know, to get yeah, you out of that it, it is hard to, you know, <laughs> it, it's a hard sell to say, yeah, you want to be able to, um, do you, you want to share this, you know, this cot with 100 other men or, you know, as opposed to, well, you're kind of in the woods by yourself and people are not bothering you. It's, it's, it's sometimes a hard sell. So that is one of the barriers that we've seen in housing people. Um, they just don't want to leave their community. Mm -hmm. And so we want to change that. So the, this the phase two of this project, we want to create housing solutions that's accessible in the community. And then long-term, looking at uh, uh, three to five years, uh, phase three of our, our um, project, we want to create um, an Ohana, Ohana village. And so building on what the legislature has already passed with the Ohana zones, um, we're looking to um, start up uh, a site in central Oahu. Hopefully, uh, we do have a, a few properties that we're looking at now. One's a state, uh, one's a state, one's a federal, and then there's a private um property several acres and within that village what we'd like to create is some sustainable um, ecosystem that the folks can live work thrive they can learn grow. and earn and they can grow things yeah. and so you know throw in aspects of renewable energy in there throw in aspects of micro farming or aquaculture or something like that so one it can feed the program that can be um, part of the revenues exactly. that, that feeds the program too it can feed the residents that are there and three can feed them and be part of their care plan and you know most folks find that um just really touching the aina and getting your hands dirty with a lot of folks that are out there they, they can relate to that that's something that they can they can buy into as opposed to well i'm going to give you a service job or you work at this 
for minimum wage or you learn a trade. For most folks, that may not be the solution. And for us in, in our region, there's so many resources that we could tap into and really um, capitalize on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the uh, longer term that we're looking at. Well, that idea, that concept, actually, I literally just came from moderating a panel on sustainable buildings. So yeah, I knew there I was are, talking to the right person. And so basically, Absolutely. everybody that we had, we had four amazing panelists, and um, and we'll actually be pushing out that mm-hmm. out on on our YouTube at some point once we get that edited. But we do cover that, and we have. There is, there are builders here today in Hawaii that are the whole permaculture concept. And it's, and um, one of them is amazing. Actually, his name is um, Mike Farrell. And I just did a podcast with him. Definitely listen on that one. But it's all about Mm -hmm. that. It's Mm -hmm. about, you know, regardless of your budget, it is possible to do sustainability um, throughout your build and then also a way of life too. So you can, you know, do the whole if you want the food landscaping you want to build a farm he's actually building a farm right now for somebody so it's it's pretty amazing work um it's a very holistic mindset mm-hmm. and it's i think the key to all of this is you're bringing the kids back um the keiki back to the land back to the mm-hmm. culture back to you know doing stuff with your hands and not mm-hmm. a computer or an ipad and mm-hmm. it's the connection that you're having right and then then hopefully that's more important to them than the stuff that they are so enthused about right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that's awesome. I love to see that this is where you're, where Alea Bridge is headed and like the goals that you have. And, you know, our goal at Smart Living Hawaii is to connect you guys, Mm -hmm. everybody that we're working with, with each other, to Mm -hmm. partner with each other because we can't do this alone. Um, And when someone's sharing what they're looking at doing, it's like for me, if I can reach as many people in this world on sustainability here in Hawaii, then it's like, I just want to connect people. Mm-hmm. I just want to connect people so they can accomplish their dreams and their goals mm-hmm. much faster for the future of Hawaii. I mean, yeah. that's that's my goal. <laughs> yeah. can, I, can I drop some names in there? Just sure, for, for, please for do. Those that, are, that are listening. And you know what? I'll also, everything, you know, if you give me a list of people mm-hmm. and hyperlinks, I'll add that to the podcast sure. at the bottom and, well, too. Well, you know, I'd, I'd love to, we've never built a, a relationship, but I'd love to connect to folks like uh, Ulupona Initiative. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, I think one of the, the folks that um, you, you've you uh, done a podcast with, Go Farm Hawaii. Yep. You know, those kinds of things, those kinds of partnerships that we can build in a community where you're good at that. You have the resources to do that. I don't need to be the expert at it, but you just we need can, to talk we to can, them. If we can align. Yes, right? exactly. For both of us to get to a common goal. That's what that's what that's what we would like to see. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That, that collaboration and really work towards some kind of a not just sustainability for the earth, but sustainability for the programs. Yeah. 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 That's that's my goal. Um, it's you know over the nine months, Smart Living Hawaii has evolved into so much more, and I see that is the need the need to connect the sustainable leaders, mm-hmm. um, so everybody can collaborate together on the different sectors that are very siloed at this point. And then the other goal is to um, the community, the community awareness on sustainability. Um, so to be that platform, that's 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 what we're trying to do here. <laughs> so I love it. So I'm not done with you yet. We're maybe a, got, a, got some more time that we can squeeze in here. So um, can you talk a little bit more about 
perhaps um, the things you do, maybe immigration, because there's a lot of things like mm-hmm. if there is somebody that's homeless, mm-hmm. what is the process to get them from where they're at? I know every situation is different, mm-hmm. but I mean, just the, I, getting them identification yeah. if they don't you, have you it. Know you, how, you, you know how crazy that's hard. it is about how many people, I'm saying 99.99% of the people that we encounter with, they've got some issue with IDs. And it's like such a basic thing. Like for me and you, right? We're, we, if we go to the store, we can you, you can pull out your credit card. Right? You can you can you know sign up for anything. You can pull out your ID. It's, you have that at your fingertips. Uh, when you're talking about something as simple as like food stamps or medical insurance, you can't process anything unless you can prove your who you are. Who you are. So <laughs> it's, it's so simple. And I I know who I am, but I don't have any form to, to prove that. And for these guys that have been out there, it's 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 like this this vicious cycle. It's it's a stupid vicious cycle. I'm gonna say it. It's, it's because they, they're out in the in in the streets, and so they either get robbed or it gets it gets um, you know gets taken away during a sweep or whatever. Or it gets ruined in the in the elements, and so you get your ID, you lose it, and you get another ID, and you lose it. Well, so, do you know how hard it is for a regular person to get absolutely. an ID now? I just, I, you know, had to change my name because I got married. I'm Christina Laney Mitri now. Um, apparently, I needed like five forms of identification, like in all of this. I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Is. I don't even understand it how regular, absolutely. regular people have to go through this hurdle and absolutely. then going to the DMV and going... It's a hurdle for regular people, it so is. I can't imagine somebody who has does not have these documentations mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. out-to-date documentation. Yeah. So we've gotten, I would say we've gotten pretty good at that. We've gotten pretty good at figuring out the secret sauce and, you know, just what that process is. For a lot of these guys, it's, well, do you have this? Like like you said, you need to produce like three, four, five different forms of um, of. Uh, now there's like a gold star yeah. thing on your right, driver's right. The license. Right, right, the real ID thing now. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that's uh, really, um, uh, you know, for security purposes. But uh, we've kind of, you know, we've got a pretty good handle on, on that now. So we work with a lot of the um, uh, the uh, local, um, we work with the um, local health centers to get them um, to get them started with okay. um, uh, you have to get their birth certificate, you have to get their social security, and then, then you can apply for... Uh, state ID. Um, you know, if they want to get a driver's license, for a lot of folks, they, they'll see that uh, they may have had um, uh, citations, which become oh, stoppers on their on their driver's right. license. And so they can't get a specific job or a specific um, um, uh, benefit because they don't have that license. And so uh, one of the partners that we've built out in the community is uh, with the Judiciary uh, Community Outreach Court. So f- for folks that have Nonviolent misdemeanors, we refer them to community outreach court. That the judge hears them. They actually come out to um, Waianae and Wahiwana. Wahi was one of the wow. uh, the first um, sites that they went to outside of Honolulu because they knew that there was a need there. You know, so that's been a really good partnership for us. So, folks come to tr- uh, court. You know, they 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 that translates to a community service. And so, again, that could be something where we could connect them to another nonprofit that may be doing um, beach or, or, or um, you know, cleanups or things like that, that they could, you know, kind of invest back into the community. And, you know, as a result, you know, you, you take away those uh, those tickets, 
uh, the, the fines and then they can move forward with that and so mm -hmm. that is one thing that we're starting to break that cycle but we we go through so much um, clients that and they, that's they, such they, a they hurdle for them need, to yeah, where so they just, just stop need, just right and they can't oh yeah they I can't mean, move forward or even just having an address to put down absolutely right so th that's one of the things that we want um, we are starting to provide now at the at our places a uh, mailbox service um, you know, we check the mailbox on a daily basis and we got stacks of uh, uh, Medicaid forms, you know, uh, things right. like that. Uh, Social Security, um, they even get their, their payments. Um, I mean, if, if they get a live check from somewhere, it, it has no, no, no way of uh, getting it to them. Mm -hmm. They can't get the income. Right. To and get so, them started. Yeah, yeah. So real, real simple things like that that you and I take for granted we on do, a daily yes. basis. Just your ID, your 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 mailing address, those kinds of things. So we we've gotten pretty good at that, and I, I hope that that builds our relationship with the clients, and they'll put a little bit more trust in us and say, okay, now I'm ready to tackle bigger things like treatment. Mm -hmm. like housing because there's a part of hope at the sub Absolutely. they get to a point where there is no hope and i think that's what gets them into this and then even if they make the effort and try then they mm -hmm. see there's all these barriers that mm -hmm. they know they can't get over Absolutely. and you guys just provide that hope that gets them that one step closer so i mean that's just the awesome part of what you guys do and um it's what somebody needs if there's just that little ounce of hope it moves people forward um so I know we talked about substance abuse. What about the raids? Um, I didn't know anything about this until um, I was helping with Inspire um, Church. And then they have not only Kids Rock, but they have Inspire Health. So they you know, do things that they go out to the community in Waipahu. Mm -hmm. And when there are people that maybe they, a lot of them, they get just a little cut, right? Like a little mm -hmm. cut on their mm -hmm. foot that festers into something really, really mm -hmm. bad. And they have no way of getting to a doctor. Mm -hmm. They actually are very unaware of how bad the cut is. Mm -hmm. And it can turn to like gangrene and really bad things yeah. like really quickly. And yeah. so, you know, Inspired Health helps with that, mm -hmm. you know, when we go out to the community. But um, I just wanted to know more about the raids because they spoke about it. So it's it's good to know and how it works. The enforcements. Yeah. The so, yeah, yeah, in the camps, like okay. we would see all of a sudden things are cleaned or right. things right. happen, change, right. and they're gone or something. Yeah. So in our region, we've had one, two, three, maybe about six significant enforcements so far in, um, you know, very uh, well-established encampments in Milani, Wahiwa, in the North Shore. <clears throat> we actually had just had a, a planning meeting with a private landowner, um, Turtle Bay Resort, um, out there. They, they do have some uh, homeless folks that are camped out in their properties, and they, they have um, uh, Kupu and Pono Pacific. I know you're, yeah. you're familiar with John and Chris. And so they reached out and, you know, they, they you know, I applaud them for wanting to take, um, you know, the Pono way to do things. And, you know, they're well within their rights to um, to evict whomever is on their property. But they, they wanted to reach out to the, the compassionate side of things. And, you know, so we're, we're working towards that with uh, the law enforcement, HPD in that area, the service providers in that area. And we're hoping we can uh, reach and you know, kind of make that connection with the folks that are out there and give them a, an opportunity to uh, receive services, to receive housing before they get to that point where they're- Because they do, uh, they do have that 
I know that there's like a flyer that goes out mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. ahead of time, yeah. like prepare because mm-hmm. we're coming here mm-hmm. to sweep. Yes. Right. And I didn't know all this until we were talking to the community that's mm-hmm. in, I would, where's that area? That was in Melamon. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is areas where they sweep and then they let them know, mm-hmm. okay, this is happening next week or, or yeah. right. Or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, mm-hmm. they kind of pack up everything. They mm-hmm. get prepared for it and take, okay. but then they, they do just come right back because they, they are very aware so, of it. But that's what we want to, that's what we want to, um, give them avoid, the opportunity, right? So right? We, we want to, um, reach them early on. We want to, you know, make that encounter often and mm-hmm. be assertive about, you know, this is coming. I'm, we're trying to provide to you a different avenue, mm-hmm. right? Instead of just packing up, leaving, pack, uh, you know, setting up camp elsewhere, you know, let's consider, you know, um, receiving services, mm-hmm. treatment, uh, employment, housing. Um, and we have had, um, you know, mixed results. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'll take that over no results. Any right, day. right. You know, if, we, if you encounter, um, you go into an encampment of 30 people and you get three people, you know, out of there and into housing, I say that's a 300% success. Yeah. Right? Because that's three people that um, we were able to house more than yesterday. Yeah. Um, and they're <clears> all very... Um, they're very open. They are, I Most mean, of them when are, you yeah. go there on yes. a regular basis and you yes. are providing them these services or having, you know, and you're friendly, like mm-hmm. they are definitely, they talk to you. I mean, you get to see their lifestyle and how mm-hmm. they are living and how the, the things that they're struggling mm-hmm. with to yeah. try to help them. So, yeah. I mean, I know sometimes there's somebody that may be, you're talking with them mm-hmm. for a year or two yeah. and then maybe they make a move. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just different for Absolutely. every person. And, you know, it's great for us to build relationships with folks that are already in the community, like Inspire Health Outreach. Uh, so they've built uh, relationships with these folks in the past five years. You know, mm-hmm. so when we first came into um, into these encampments, you know, we we're walking alongside these folks at, you know, churches and folks that are in the community that they've encountered before. We already got instant rapport. So that's great. You know, we're, we're always looking for organizations that are like that, that have that compassionate side of things where we can align our efforts. It's an easy efforts. way Absolutely. to reach Absolutely. out. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we've been able to house a few folks that we were um, that were uh, referred to us through Inspire. Um, we continue to work with other um, folks that um, are still in those encampments. But, you know, we, we've had some successes. And, you know, as time goes on, you know, we'll get more resources. We'll get better at it. You know, um, you know, we anticipate um, increased, uh, you know, better results. Now, do we? I know that you guys are just—it's only three years now, but um, I almost feel like success stories. Do we have some success stories mm-hmm. where maybe some of these people are um, have changed their lives and their lifestyles, and they are in a better place? I would love to. Um, to see that side of it too. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys do an annual thing with people or Actually, do you have you know, anything just, coming um, up? We just or? had, um, we just, uh, we're, we were a little bit late, but we had our, our third birthday and post point in time uh, kind of gathering last weekend. Oh, okay. And so at that, um, at that um, gathering, we had, we had two um, clients that provided testimony. Oh, one awesome. Sent, one sent in a uh, written testimony. One was actually in attendance. And so, um, in her case, she was a Section 8, um, Section 8 recipient on the Big Island. Uh, circumstances in life happened, became incarcerated, she came out, 
homeless, had nowhere to go, no support system. Uh, somehow got connected with us and then, yeah, started from scratch, from IDs to, uh, you know, the food stamp benefits, the general benefits. Now I'm um, connecting her to um, employment and housing. So she's been housed in her own apartment, I forget, but um, at least six months now. Awesome. She's, she's going solid at six months and she's been sober, uh, I think, for longer than that. And so, you know, that, that's definitely a success story where um, we see that. We, we'll see that. And, you know, for every one of those, there's there's somebody else that's coming behind them. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we, we kind of build on that success. Yeah, so, we have, um, I'm on the board with Catholic Charities Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I think, hits home with most people, mm-hmm. uh, especially the general public or the community, if they can really see what happens, you know, from mm-hmm. someone's perspective, a testimony. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really plays, um, that's where I guess it tugs at your heart. Mm-hmm. So you can see like how awesome, like your programs are for mm-hmm. people and how the transitional housing and everything from start to finish, mm-hmm. like what you guys are doing. So anyhow, I'll share one more. Yeah. Yes, time. I do. Okay. I so, do. um, there, there's another one, a really extreme case that we had, um, this gentleman that's been, homeless for, I think, over 12 years by himself. Um, he's wheelchair bound. Oh, wow. Um, and so his day consists of um, living atop a hill underneath a mango tree on a pile of garbage. And his only shelter is a piece of corrugated roofing that he drapes over himself at night. <clears throat> and then in the morning, um, he drags himself down the hill. He can't use his legs. He drags himself and his wheelchair down the hill, gets himself up over a guardrail, and then wheels himself up about 200 yards to the closest um, street corner, and he panhandles all day. And so he was a regular, and so um, he's a veteran as well. Um, So it, it took a really long time to, you know, he was one of our first cases from three years ago, and just... How old is he? He's in his early 60s, um, and we've tried many, many times, and, you know, he stated, you know, he didn't want to move, you know, for some reason, he wanted to stay there, and he said, I want to die here, and, you know, in this mound of garbage at the top of the hill, and he would rather drag himself up the hill and down the hill, wheel himself up and down the road and panhandle all day, then take services, you know. Um, but, you know, in this last, um, about a few weeks ago, there was a big um, enforcement in this area. And, you know, we got to talking to him and something kind of clicked with him. And then he decided, yeah, today's the day, today's the time. I'll you know, I'm willing to go with you to a shelter. And so we got him into um, uh, a transitional shelter out in uh, Kalaibo. Um, he's been thriving since, you know, the, the first few days were a little rough, you know, being that he's been out in the elements for, for a while, 12 years. For 12 yeah. years by himself. You know, something as simple as using the bathroom. How do you use the bathroom? Uh, it, that was a huge mystery. He, we were, you know, he, we had to get over that. Yeah. And he had to relearn a lot of these things and, you know, what it's like to 
close the door or use the toilet or, you know, bathe with hot shower, you know, hot water. Um, but he's been thriving since. And so we're, uh, we got him, we just got him connected to, uh, some nursing, um, services. So he's getting, uh, services daily now. Um, he is in line for housing. We haven't housed him in permanent housing yet, but I, I, I've been told that he's, uh, you know, he's very close up to the top of the list. And so we anticipate probably within the next month. Was uh, his yeah. um, condition so, due to being a veteran or not? So? Um, we're not sure yet. Oh, so okay. that's, that's still, there's still a lot to uncover with, um, with uh, his case. But, you know, just to see... Um, the progression. Yeah. That somebody from Inspire, yeah, a couple of folks came and, you know, uh, spent some time with him, gave him some crossword puzzles, some magazines, and he eats that stuff up. You know, oh. I, I never, I never realized that he was. He doesn't, he doesn't he get just, all this yes, either, right? right? He was just craving for something different. Uh, you know, that interaction with people. Um, you know, it's it's been amazing. Uh, one of our volunteers came down and uh, gave him a haircut and a shave, mm. and he looks so handsome. Uh, you know, it's this old, scruffy, smelly, dirty guy that's just been, that's, that's what people He's see day in, day out. It's just this poor, dirty, crusty old guy at the corner, panhandling. Now he's thriving. You know, he's, he's clean. He's talkative. Wow, and, that's And, awesome. you know, he, he's uh, soon to be housed. And, you know, it's, it's great to see that. And, you know, it's something like that, you know, kind of. That's why you do this every day. It's why you get up and (laughs) jump out of bed, right? (laughs) Every day to do this. Um, So I know we definitely talked about a lot of things that you guys are doing. Um, Have you guys studied or researched what other cities are doing across the U.S.? Do you feel, I know our elements are very, um, uh, likable to the homeless community i mean i would imagine other places you um, probably won't survive the next day if Mm -hmm. it's too cold so um is there certain things that you see that they're doing elsewhere that that's working really well that you'd love to implement i'm curious on that sure i mean there's certain regions in in, on the mainland that you know have built great relationships with the faith-based community that's definitely something that uh, we are, you know, we gravitate towards, you know, we, we love to be, we, we, you know, we're, um, we're built on Christian values. And so that's something that definitely we've seen that works in other communities. Um, other programs like Rapid Rehousing and Housing First, those have been, you know, wildly successful in certain areas. And, you know, we're, we're starting to gain some ground, that, um, you know, here in Hawaii. Um, definitely there's still quite a bit of um, barriers as far as, you know, affordable housing goes. And so that we're hoping that, you know, in these in these projects that we're working on, we can kind of highlight some of the things where we don't need to take the traditional ways of building uh, a community, you know, so, you know, what is sustainable, what is affordable. Um, we hope to, you know, kind of see some of those things that have worked in other areas and implement that here. We can't keep building a 40-story uh, luxury condo and hope that that will solve the problem. Solve the homelessness issue. It's a very different market, you know, mm-hmm. or even a subdivision out in the middle of Ebo. It's a very different market. That's you know, you're, you're catering to a very different demographic, and so you know, for us, it, it's time to really look at different options. And I think uh, we've seen some things. Kauhale uh, Kamaili out in Waianae, um, Kahobiki Village here. I think those are great starts. 
we'd love to see. I mean, even here, locally. Within I would Hawaii. love to see the community, like you're saying, yeah. where you're living off the land. Absolutely. And you're growing. And Not because it, cities now. Because, you know, no, I mean, yeah. like, the land where Absolutely. you're growing and you're you're eating off the land. And you're it's like a full, you mm-hmm. know, circular economy mm-hmm. type of thought process, very holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's definitely one huge thing. Mm-hmm. And it also gets the whole community involved, right? And yeah, then so everybody's you, doing stuff. Yeah, folks you know, that, like, like in their circles that you would think are not the usual suspects in um, addressing homelessness, right? Because they, they, they deal in a totally different um, realm, a totally different um, uh, business, line of business, right? Um, but yeah, you can be a part of the solution, absolutely. If, if we sit down and kind of put, put some effort into it, we can find some ways where we can integrate um, what you do, what your interests are, what resources that you have can offer to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, let's take a different approach. Yeah, everybody has their own. The other thing, too, that, I mean, it's been a while now since I was in school. I'm getting older. I can't believe how Five long years it's been. ago. <laughs> no, but um, I was just wondering, I don't know this, actually, and I don't know how aggressive it is now, but the D.A.R.E. program, growing up when mm-hmm. I was... I'm an 80s kid, so yeah. growing up, I just, I remember the D.A.R.E. program. Yeah. It was such a thing in our elementary school, and I just wonder, does that exist still? It does. It, it does, does, but I, I mean, actually, is it I'll as go. impactful I, as it was when I was younger? You know, I mean, I just remember yeah. always saying no to drugs, and yeah. it was like such a thing, yeah. and you know, you were fearful of yeah. drugs at that time because they were very... They went very deep into like the ramifications of it, and it's like something you want to stay away from, and it's evolved into the exact opposite. I would say for that, even starting in elementary, middle school, yeah. um, and I think to me, it's going to take a long time to break the cycle with dealing with kids that are obviously in elementary school. But if we don't get to the kids at that level then I don't see us ever really breaking this substance abuse, which then leads to homeless mm-hmm. situations. Um, so I'm just curious, I guess. It's, it's, it's still there. Um, actually, there's two um, two uh, programs that are sponsored by the city, the DARE program and the Weed and Seed program. Um, I don't know for sure whether they're as impactful, like you said, when we were younger growing up. Uh, you know, we, I, I thought it was pretty um, a good program when I was going through school. Yeah. Um, that set me straight. Yeah, right. You it know? did, right? It, 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 I, it did I to think, the point but, where um, you're not trying these things yeah. out when you're a kid and you have yeah. no idea what's going yeah, so, on. Yeah, I'm not sure how the uh, program has kind of, um, you know, uh, evolved over the years or what um, different factors, you know, are in society now. Yeah. It, it's not... It, it, seems for me and you it doesn't seem like it's as impactful as it should be yeah Uh, but definitely that's one of the things that we want to move towards is that homeless prevention thing yeah right it has to be before it's before to they get to this point and like high school students i feel like it just needs to be more visual Mm -hmm. as to this is what happens if you decide to try meth maybe just once Mm -hmm. like is it worth it? Maybe not so worth it. Right. Look at this person here. Right. Like the the people that it affects are just regular people. That's mm-hmm. not like oh, this only happens to people that come from this upbringing. It's mm-hmm. it's like to get this out to yeah. the younger demographic. Like, hey, it's not even worth it. <laughs> There's really it's not worth it. Yeah, kind so of thing. yeah, definitely. That's one of the things that we we want to have a stronger presence at the school. 
And so, you know, what we've started as a food pantry and kind of working with the Hawaii Food Bank to open up food pantries at the school. And I think that's a great opening for us. It starts the conversation with the administrators, counselors, with the kids and the families and say, okay, well, we'll address the immediate needs that you have with food and security, but what else is there? in your family structure? What else is there in your environment that we can address to keep you in school, to keep you off the streets so we don't have to deal with that, that generational issue, yeah, right? Exactly. And drugs, substance use, all those things, um, you know, even uh, bullying and social media and those kinds of things. It's not our cup of tea, but if we can bring in resources that can address that mm-hmm. through our efforts in connecting with the schools, Definitely, that's something that we want, we want to work towards. Is that that homeless prevention piece is, is huge. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it'll, if you're looking at, it really impact what change over time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we don't address that, you know. You guys are going to be working so hard, and you're just yeah. going to keep getting more Absolutely. people. Yeah. So anyhow, that is probably for another time where we yeah. can talk about, you know kid prevention <laughs> I, not, I don't know if that's the right word but anyhow I think we are short for time and we are wrapping things up so um, what I would like to say is first thank you so much Phil for joining us and being here and um, that's all I have for everybody today thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.com also follow us on Instagram at at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii and like us on Facebook. Um, Mahalo, and until next time, live smart.